Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to focus on discussions that will challenge you to, to change the way you think about workplace ministry and your life in Christ. And today's show and tomorrow's show are going to be very different, unusual, challenging, educational, all of the above, maybe none of the above, but I'm hoping all of the above. We've got in studio today, Attorney David Gibbs with the National Center for Life and Liberty. And we're talking about today, religious liberty in the workplace. And tomorrow we're going to talk about religious liberty in in our schools, which is another workplace, but it's a workplace that I don't often get a chance to focus on because I don't have a lot of teacher friends that want to be on the radio. So I'd like to welcome to the I Work For Him show, attorney David Gibbs. Hey, Jim, it is my honor to be with you and certainly appreciate your voice and your leadership, your passion, and excited to be on the broadcast. I hope you feel that way at the end of our second show. When we well, get you, you, you can ask questions. you got an attorney working for you for free, so I am working for him. That might be you and the Lord today, but glad to do it. You know, it says in, uh, in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket or a bowl, which some other versions would say. Instead, a lamp is placed on its stand where it can give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. And that's really what 
religious liberty in the workplace is it's not about being a hellfire damnation evangelist standing on top of a soapbox in your workplace. It's really about being a light in a dark place. Well, we need to remember, too, in the world, and, and I'm in the courts and the legislature, society at large, I do a lot of media, and the reality is it's getting darker. And people are concerned about the darkness, but I encourage them to remember that in the darkness, the light shines the brightest. It may feel uncomfortable, but you can have your greatest impact. And different workplace rules apply to different regions, but everybody has an opportunity to be that salt, that light, uh, to be that encourager. I always tell folks, everybody's one of two categories. You're either an encourager or a discourager. Uh, you can be a hope putter in her or a hope sucker outer. I mean, one way or the other. And, and we all don't want to be around those people that are just draining. Uh, but folks that say, you know what, I do work for him. I am going to make a difference with my life. I want to be that encouragement. I want to give the answers. I want to show love and compassion, be that kind of person. It is a mindset. And I think that it is one that people need to be encouraged to be thinking, you know what, I can make a difference with my life each and every day. Nothing should be in the routine. Every day is a new opportunity to do great things for him. And, and it is every day is so different. But I'm going to keep quoting you on the fact that we want we want to be encouragers, not discouragers. We want to be hope putter inners, as you said, as opposed to hope puller outers. Yeah, hope sucker outers. Hope I mean, sucker outers. Oh, yeah. drain. I don't know. Because it's getting... kind of draining. I mean, you feel like you've, you've just. And by the way, there are those kind of people. You know, sometimes they'll walk up. I mean, pastor. You know, somebody walk up, pastor, or in at a workplace. <laughs> you know, boss, manager, HR. They're just that you see them coming. And you're just like, oh, no, what can I do to avoid this person? And you never make them happy. Well, and you know that Jesus dealt with people like that all the time. There were people following Jesus all the time that were that were discouragers. That Well, we know they were discouragers. I mean, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were always discouraging. I mean, trying to discourage Jesus, trying to send him off for a loop. And I imagine they were hope suckers all the time. But, you know, Jesus was able to repel that and show them the light all the time. Well, and remember, too, about Jesus. He had kind of 12 key guys, the disciples. Okay. We know one of them absolutely rebelled and, and ended up, you know, being a traitor. And Jesus would have known that. So he was even working with people that he knew would betray him. He knew Peter, even that he would do great things, but he would deny him and he wouldn't be faithful, wouldn't stand close. He knew they'd fall asleep uh, during Gethsemane. And so, you know, Jesus knew that these guys were going to fail him when I'm down, but he still invested himself in these other people and was willing not to let the failures of those that were around him uh, bring him down. And he really modeled, if you will, that ability to uh, rise above. You know, I always tell folks we need to respond bond, not react. You know, somebody says, hey, I've just been sued. I got to run, do something wild. Or I got to spend a bunch of money. Or I got to, you know, go on TV. I got to do something. You know, I'd say, hold on a minute. Let's figure out what we're dealing with. Let's respond, not react. And sometimes when you slow down and evaluate, uh, you can actually come out with a much more graceful ending and be in a situation where you're able to be that salt and light you want to be. Well, and, and I have been involved in a lot of sticky business situations in my almost 30 years of business and i know for a fact there's a god glorifying solution to every situation we're thrown into that doesn't mean it's going to be pleasant as you go through it all the time but that god can be given the glory at the end you know sometimes it's hard it's hard in the in-between spots because you're going this looks really bad this looks really bad but but god uses those things he uses our character in those intense situations to be a, to be an example for him and remember too you can only control what you can control okay uh, there may be a business partner that's done wrong. you better say that slower because you know people really have a hard time with that one just say it again you can only control 
what you can control. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we spend a lot of our time trying to control other people. And that is an effort and frustration, whether it's a toddler running around the house, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a business partner, whether it's a coworker, you have to acknowledge you can influence them, but you are limited in what you can actually control. But what you can control is your own spirit, your own response, your own attitude, your own actions. And uh, obviously, we all make mistakes. We're not perfect. We understand that. But in terms of... You're an attorney. People know that just from the fact that it's attorney David Gibbs. They automatically think you make mistakes. Well, listen, attorneys, uh, you know, we we get a (laughs) reputation sometimes for uh, making money off other people's mistakes. You know what I mean? Uh, Somebody's getting married, we can do the prenuptial. Somebody's getting divorced, they can make money there. So, you know, really, the, the attorneys don't have a real interest. You know, there's the prosecution and the defense. There's the plaintiff's attorney and the defendant attorney. So, you know, attorneys can work off both sides of the equation. But uh, there is a sadness that um, so much money can be made, really, off the problems of people, which I think goes to a little bit of our cultural issue. You know, we're in a society right now, Jim, you know this, it's almost lawsuit crazy uh, where people are quick to sue. But a lot of times that is not really what they're trying to accomplish in the litigation, but they're like trying to vindicate. They're trying to get something. There's an internal unhappiness that they somehow think a lot lawsuit will provide them with what they're looking for. And we're going to jump into that in the next quarter hour, but I want, as we finish up this quarter hour, I want people to hear from your heart. What is Christ doing today in your life? How is he making an impact in your life today? Well, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and, and I want folks to understand he is my Savior, and I want to make him Lord. And what, what I believe every single day, you have a choice. You walk in the Spirit or you walk in the flesh. And that flesh still wrestles. People have moments where they do things in the flesh, and, and that's when opportunity to sin can arise. But we are to deny the flesh and to walk in the Spirit and say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to accomplish? And to be heavenly-minded, to be spiritually-minded is a daily challenge. And then I also try to look at things, you know, obviously you have to earn a living down here, but did I make today count for eternity? You know, 100 years from now, if God tarries is coming, 1,000 years from now, will today matter? with how I spent my time. And looking at it that way, you begin to invest in other people. You begin to look at things differently. Uh, It's not just about the bottom line, but it's really making your life count for him. Mm, That's powerful. And it is so true. The the work that we do doesn't necessarily make a difference, but the people we impact, those are the things that make a difference. And those are the people we get to take with us. You know, we don't get to take anything else, but we get to take those lives that we've impacted that Christ has allowed us to make an impact on. Those are people we get to spend time in heaven with. Give a quick thought. It's not what you do. It's who you are that really makes the difference. Not what you do, but who you are. And that's possible in any and every vocation. It is not what you do. It's who you are in that vocation that makes a difference. All right, we've got David Gibbs, Attorney David Gibbs, in studio with us today from the National Center for Life and Liberty. And we're talking about... We are talking about religious liberty in the workplace. And what does that mean, you may ask? Well, stay tuned. You'll find out. If you want to call into the studio line, you can participate in today's discussion. 855-265-2929. 855-265-2929. But most people tend to text us, which is 727-487-9863. 727-487-9863. All right, David, let's get back into it. No, wait, we can't do that because we're going to do our book segment as we do each and every day, but often I have to re- be reminded by myself, it's time to do our book highlight segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Karis Christian Books and Gifts have been part of the Largo community for over 29 years, located in the center of First Baptist Church on Indian, of Indian Rocks on Almerton Road in Largo. They're 
their 2,400 square foot stores open to the public seven days a week. Check them out online at shopcaris.com. That's shop, C-H-A-R-I-S.com. Be the first person to call into the studio line today at 855-265-2929, and I'll send you a copy of the book that we're going to highlight right now. All right, we've got book number one. We're going to highlight another one tomorrow. Well, that was for tomorrow's anyway. Okay, hang on. Don't, don't do that on the radio. Fighting for Dear Life by the attorney who fought for Terry Schiavo. David Gibbs with Bob DeMoss. Okay, David, you've got this book, Fighting for Dear Life. This was a huge struggle. It's, about, it's almost a decade ago, isn't it? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, Terry Schiavo died, and it's a sad date to remember, March 31, 2005. So in okay. March of next year, uh, it will have been 10 years since her home going. But uh, that story was a, a number one news story in the world. A lot of folks are looking back 10 years and saying, are we protecting life in this culture? And I think there's been a, a real shift where what they used to call the right to die is quickly, Jim, becoming the duty to die. And people talking about, you know, 75-year-old people not having quality of life and should doctors and government workers be counseling people. And so it's a very relevant book. It takes you behind the scenes, talks about the issues. And so the the folks have uh, received that book well. It's a heavy book because it, it deals with the uh, topic of life and death. I mean, you will be there with uh, Terry Shiva the last time her mother saw her alive. And, uh, you know, the news media really twisted that case. There's a lot huh. of... No, that never happens. No, the secular media, that, and most people say she was dead on life support. She was as alive as you and me. She wasn't sick, no cancer, no Alzheimer's, no heart disease, and she just needed food and water. In the state of Florida, food and water is life support. And you know what they did? They took away the food and water. You know what happens. 13 days later, um, she died of dehydration and starvation. Uh, it's the only political issue that I've ever seen uh, Rush Limbaugh and Jesse Jackson agree on, and they all agreed that the killing of that disabled girl was horrifically inappropriate. But now as we look back 10 years... <laughs> I'd uh, like to put them on a studio together. That would be fun. Yeah, well, and, and remember, too, it went through the Senate uh, unanimously. Uh, Barack Obama voted in favor of Terry Schiavo. Uh, Senator at that time, uh, Clinton from New York, Hillary Clinton voted. Uh, Ed Kennedy, now deceased, voted in favor of Terry Schiavo. So it was a disability case that brought all the Democrats to the table. It was a life case. The Republicans were there. And uh, many folks were very, very concerned. Uh, it was the number one news story in the world back in 2005. And so this book takes you behind the scenes, but also talks about the values, the issues. And it was really a life-changing case for me. It was one of the things that led me to launch the National Center for Life and Liberty, because uh, we hear from people each and every week where they're loved ones, their lives are not being protected in the United States of America. And it's tragic, but you have to literally fight for the life of your loved one. Mm. So if you want to get a copy of this book, Fighting for Dear Life, the untold story of Terry Schiavo, Schiavo, Terry Schiavo, I heard it so many times on TV, now I'm messing it up, and what it means for all of us, this is the whole issue of euthanasia. I mean, just, and that's not kids in the continent of Asia. We're talking about euthanasia, Fighting for Dear Life. You want to get a copy of this book, call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And remember, you got to read this book, Don't Wait for the Movie.
All right, we're back live and in studio with Attorney David Gibbs with the National Center with Life and, for Life and Liberty. We're talking about religious liberty in the workplace, but if you want to get a copy of that book we just highlighted, Fighting for Dear Life, the untold story of Terry Schiavo, that was a whole big Florida story, but it affected, it was internationally acclaimed story. It was unbelievable. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929. Okay. I was asking you right before the break about how Christ made an impact on your life, and you made it very, very clear. And now I want to really want to talk about, let's get into religious liberty in the workplace, because so many people have a misconception, they have misperceptions, they, they do not understand how their faith can come alive at work. They just think that they just have to shut up, and, and they can't bring their faith to work. And Jim... That is confusion, because people have a lot more rights than they may realize. And, and sometimes I like to stress the fact that if you give good people good information, they can go forward and make good decisions. And the one thing that probably whenever you deal with the workplace is you have to kind of analyze, where am I working? Now, now people are going to say, well, I'm working my job. But the reality is the law is different depending on the type of workplace. And there's really one big division that folks need to think about is, do you work for a government agency? Okay, now that could be public school on up to you work for the White House. I mean, anywhere that the government is your employer, um, that's one area of law. And then there's the private workplace world. And then once you get in the private world, it divides into little workplaces, you know, those that are the um, 15 and unders, and then the big workplaces that are 15 and over. And so that's kind of the division. So as people evaluate their rights, and by the way, you have rights in all the places, but in terms of when you look at it, you then have to evaluate. So if you're working for the government, we'll start with that, um, you have full constitutional rights. Okay, I mean, they can't take away your speech. They can't take away your religion. Uh, You have the right to share your faith. You have the right to be a witness that you're to be treated fairly constitutionally. Now, you're not allowed to um, use the government to promote your religion. And that's um, understandable. You know, a teacher that's hired to teach math can't stand up and, you know, preach for the whole lecture. They have to do their governmental duties. The mailman needs to deliver mail. He's not to be out, you know, canvassing while on the government dime. And I do think that's an important thing for all people of faith in the work realm is one of the best testimonies you can be is to be a good worker, to be valued. I mean, if you're there and and that's what you're called to do and and you're getting paid to do it, uh, to be sure that you do it with excellence, to do it in a way where you're valued. But government workers have full constitutional protection, and certainly uh, they can talk to coworkers, certainly they can meet off-site, certainly they're to be treated like any other group. So they have the Constitution on their side. Now, when you go in the private realm, um, just so people understand, the Constitution goes away. Okay, government is the only one that can take away your Constitution rights, your free speech. I mean, if you tell me, David, be quiet, I don't go, wait a minute, I got a free speech right. No, no, we're in a private gathering. You can kick me off the air. You have complete rights to control in a private realm. But if the government were to say, well, no, we're going to kick David off the air, well, that would be a constitutional violation. So folks need to understand government workplaces are a different set of laws because of the Constitution. In the private realm, there is what they call Title VII, which is the large employers, 15 or more, Um, They cannot in any way discriminate against the religious rights of the people. And I'm summarizing. It includes race, ethnicity, other things, but we'll focus on religion. And so fairness is really the concept. They need to treat people of faith fairly. Now, 
private employers can decide their image. And this is an important thing. If you own a business or you control a business or you're the marketing of a business, uh, you have unlimited rights, complete freedom, if you will, uh, to make yourself as religious as you want. I mean, big businesses could promote Jesus. Big businesses could hand out Bibles. Big businesses can do whatever they think is in their interest to uh, promote what they believe in. Now, we know many of our Fortune 100 and 500 companies are kind of neutral to negative on faith, but they don't have to be. It's really a marketing decision. What do they believe will get them the most customers? And so you take a company like Chick-fil-A. They, they kind of pride themselves on being faith or family-friendly Cracker Barrel restaurants. You know, the companies get different images, and then there's companies that advocate in a less faith-friendly way, and that's all within their right. But they cannot discriminate against their employees based on faith or hold them back in any way. Now, smaller employers, and I want folks to understand this, smaller employers have more rights. Call it small business world. I mean, if you've got two or three guys and you say, I'm going to hire my uncle, I'm going to hire my brother-in-law, I'm going to hire this person, um, somebody can't say, well, wait, you got to hire me, I'm more talented. They kind of let the small businesses to incubate, get up and going. And so if you work for a small business, you want to be a little more careful. You want to work with your boss, you want to make sure you're in sync, and that the employee Employers do have the right to set the message, but it can be as religious as they want. And so I encourage business owners, people with influence, people in marketing to realize you have an opportunity to really shine brightly in the business world. There's almost, Jim, a sense in the corporate community that we just need to be sterile. We need to be dull. We need to be politically correct. We just need to be down the line. Don't ever have an opinion. And I think some folks are actually looking for some companies that are going to come out of the box a little bit and say, you know what, we can be a little edgier in this realm. We can speak up for, you know, we don't have to say, you know, happy holidays. We can say Merry Christmas. We can, you know, decide that we want to be a little more traditional. Easter doesn't just have to be about bunnies and eggs. And we can talk about resurrection and religion and church. And we encourage our employees, you know, be sure to, you know, think about going to church. And, you know, they can decide that they want to be more that way. And so I really encourage uh, decision makers, policymakers, business owners to to look for ways to expand your light in that arena. But when people call from a employee standpoint, they kind of have to evaluate where they're at. But the reality is they often have far more liberty, far more rights than they realize. Hmm. And that is, wow, that was a lot. But it, you're right. Just to summarize that again, employees have far more rights than what they realize. And God has ability to make an impact this whole sterile thing, you said that, and we're going to run out of time, but you know, the idea that business people don't know how to take Christ to work is, is a big issue because they've not been trained, they've not been taught that their, work, that, their, that their faith is relevant to the workplace. That's an issue. But then the thought that, well, so I don't offend anybody, I don't want to bring up Jesus, that's another, that's another thing. All right, we've been talking with attorney David Gibbs about religious liberty in the workplace. And David is with the National Center for Life and Liberty. And you can go online and find out more about him at N as in Nancy, C as in cat, L-L-N-C-L-L dot O-R-G. And there is so much to talk about. I, you know, we're going to barely touch the top, the tip of this monstrous iceberg. But it is an iceberg that has hit our United States, and it, our United States is sinking because we've removed God from the workplace. And some of that is 
Christian's fault because they're not bringing Christ with them to work and sharing how he's making an impact on their lives. Are you saying, Jim, some Christians are in the closet? They're just yes. hiding yes. their faith? Come out of the closet for Jesus, would you? That's exactly right. And, and you know, we, we do talk about groups and homosexuals and others say they're out of the closet and they're, they're bold and they declare what they believe. But, you know, it is sad. A lot of Christians have just kind of comfortably climbed in and, yes, they believe in Jesus. Yes, they believe in the Bible. And, yes, they go to church sometimes, but they're just going to kind of quietly hide that fact. Yeah, but anyone. are those people even Christ followers? Because everybody, if you look at the scriptures, everybody who met Jesus, their lives were so incredibly impacted, they couldn't shut their yappers about what Jesus had done for them. So I don't even know how it's possible for you to be a Christ follower and shut up. Well, I, will I, I don't say even this. get it. I, I, will, I will say I agree with you if it's an excited Christian. But there are folks that have chilled. They've lost their excitement. You know, here, here's how you tell when somebody's excited, because you've already hit it. Three things. Excited people talk about what they're excited about. Excited people will spend time on what they're excited about. And excited people will spend money on what they're excited about. I mean, some old boy gets into hunting. What's he do? He talks about it. He exaggerates. He'll lie about it, but he'll talk about it. He'll spend time. He'll get up at 4 or 5 in the morning, go sit in a tree to shoot things. And then money. Sure, I need a $1,500 weapon to shoot a $4 bird. That all makes sense because he's excited. But, you know, when it comes to Jesus Christ, a lot of Christians, and certainly here in America, we've had so much prosperity, material blessing, other things. We've also had a lot of comfort. And so all of a sudden, we just kind of take it for granted, and that excitement disappears. So we quit talking. We quit putting time into it. We don't put our resources, our heart into it. Well, and and that is a problem. Well, and that's it. It's basic. Those Christians who are not excited about it are those ones that are starving themselves to death from a Christ-centered standpoint. They're not feeding themselves with the Bible. They're not surrounding themselves in a community of believers that will encourage them. They're... They're living on their own, and they're just like, well, I don't even know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything, because that always worked really well for me. Well, and Jim, let me say this. Excitement is infectious, as is apathy. Either one can be caught, okay? I mean, people are worried about these viruses and other things. The reality is we're all influencing one another. I mean, um, when you're around somebody, are they lifting your spirit? Are they taking you up? Are they bringing you down? That's what I love about you, your ministry, your enthusiasm, your broadcast, because you know what? You are infectious for Jesus. People driving down the road, they t- they're like, wait a minute, there's something different about this. This is exciting. And you know what? I can make a difference. And you're motivating people to go to that next level of thought and energy. But then there's other people, well, you know, I don't know the work. People don't want to hear it. You know, and they get kind of in that whiny, political correct. Let's just avoid controversy. And by the way, l- let me even, I'm, I'm preaching now there's pastors that have fallen into that they, Amen. they so avoid oh, absolutely. controversy that i mean you know if somebody said well the bible isn't war, well okay i mean you know the reality is we need some folks with some backbone men and women that are going to say you know what truth is truth love is love and i'm going to live with a lot of both and i'm going to be excited about it well, let's talk specific what people can do in the workplace but i just want to remind our listeners we still have a copy of david's book called fighting for dear life the untold story of, T- of terry shivo called Call into the studio line. This book is fantastic. You've got to get a copy of it. 855-265-2929. 855-265-2929. Andrea is standing by. She can't wait to talk to you. 855-265-2929. Andrea Call. looks really excited. I she, mean, I'm she's, fact, she's kind of hoping nobody calls and she'll keep the book. She's got it all figured no, out, but no. I mean... She's having a good time. She just moved here from from, from some far away cold place 
to Florida because everybody moves to Florida. Because the thing is better. But she, she moved down here to get to become part of a specific church. She heard so many cool things about this church. She moves across the country to come be part of a church down here. And so she, we welcome her to the WTIS team, and she's doing a great job. And look at that smile. That's incredible. I can't remember where you moved here from. What state? What state? Ohio. I was born in Ohio. I'm sorry I, to I, hear I, that for both of you, no, Buckeye fans. But, 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 well, no, I'm a Florida boy. Been here a long time, and and, and spent some time in Texas as well. So I'm, I'm Southern now. My blood thinned out. You are but, definitely Southern. You actually, and you've just lived in Texas for how long? A couple years. And you still, and you've already picked up some of it, just in case you ever wondered. Well, you know, you got to understand. You know, if, if Texas ever secedes, you know, everybody in Florida may come over. But the reality is, Florida is one of the most beautiful places on earth, and it's an exciting place to be. And uh, folks in Ohio that can find a way to escape. You know, 75 brings them this way. <laughs> yes, it does. Straight down the pike. That's right. All right. So if you want to get a copy of this book, 855-265-2929. All right. Now, let's be very specific. I really want my listeners to come away today to go, here's I now heard from an attorney who is an expert in this. These are things I can specifically do with my size workplace. So let's start with those really little businesses, because in Tampa Bay, you know as well as I know, that the majority of the business is a gross majority. 95% of the businesses are 20 people and less. Sure. And and there's you know, there's five or six of them that are 1,000 people or more. And everybody else is really, I mean, there's 20 or 30,000 businesses with under 10,000 people in them, or under 10 people in them. Absolutely. And, and what they need to understand is really management in those small companies has unbelievable freedom. So, for example, if your boss in a small workplace says, look, I want all my employees to come together. We're going to pray. We're going to spend some time together. 100% legal. Uh, we're going to sit and look at the Bible for a moment. We're going to have a team-building meeting. 100% legal. Even if somebody says, I don't like the Bible. Now, you may want to think about being you know, sensitive to the requests of your employees. But legally, small businesses have a lot of ability to set their tone, their direction, their policy, their culture. And uh, they operate in a completely different realm. And so um, I encourage folks that own these companies, which oftentimes they're working shoulder to shoulder with their folks. If they're people of faith, use this opportunity to mentor, to disciple, to encourage, to share Jesus. I mean, take corporate events over to your church. Say, hey, look, come on, guys, all four of us, we're going to go hear this men's speaker tonight. Completely legal. Okay. Now, again, you want to be careful if you know someone is overtly hostile, if you've hired an atheist or you've hired someone maybe in a lifestyle that is totally anti-biblical. You probably want to be a little sensitive to the effectiveness of it. But in terms of your rights as a business owner, you have the ability to set the tone and direction for your company and for your employees. As you get bigger, and you're right, most workplaces are small. Don't jump too fast because you mentioned some there. Well, if, if you happen to have an atheist, that's one of the issues that a lot of Christian business people, they try to hire other quote-unquote Christians. When your workplace is your mission field, you need to bring in some non-believers into your workplace because how else do you reach people for Christ unless you bring them into your workplace? But you got to be intentional about it, and you have to be intentional about how you're going to minister to them. And you do have to be somewhat sensitive because slapping them over the head with the Bible is not how you lead somebody to Christ, but being, you know, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, that's what's going to touch their life. Absolutely. People don't want to hear what you know till they know that you care. Right. And that spirit of concern, and it's really relationship, Jim. I mean, you know, the old days, I mean, the reality, people did door-to-door businesses. I mean, you could sell encyclopedias on a front porch. You could sell, deliver milk. You those could, were big books that had the internet in them. Yes. Uh, you For those gotta, of you that are listening today that are under... 35 encyclopedias 
had the internet all on the pages. Yeah, they, they were selling newspapers, but we're now in an internet world. And the reality is, <laughs> a lot happened door to door. There was transaction. Now all of a sudden you bang on somebody's front door and they're you know grabbing a gun and trying to make sure you're not dangerous. It's a different culture. So in terms of getting the gospel out, people need to realize there has to be some relationship. I want to get to know Jim. I want to hear his heart. I want to see his spirit. I want to understand who he is. And then, once you've built that relationship, you have the opportunity, if you're intentional, and that's magic words because a lot of people well you know maybe if somebody just shows up one day and says please tell me how to become a christian i might be able to tell them people don't do that you've got to deliberately be praying and seeking and looking for that opportunity you know here's a thought if we'd reach one soul for christ a year disciple them well enough to go reach one soul for christ a year and let that keep going we'd reach not america not florida we'd reach the world in a little over 35 years But that requires intentionality. That requires somebody who says, you know what, I'm going to go reach one, but then I'm going to disciple them well enough that they'll do the same thing. They'll be bold. That's why your ministry and others that are encouraging people to be intentional, deliberate, bold, uh, Christ followers is so important. And then if that would continue, we would see different elections. We'd see different (laughs) juries. We'd see different court cases. We'd see different trends in our country because the people of faith would be indeed declaring the truth of the word of God in a compassionate and effective way. Discipleship is something that is hugely, there's a huge opportunity for improving how we disciple people within the church. Honey, I just want to make sure if you're listening, that was for you. I almost went negative, but I went positive instead. There's such a huge opportunity. My wife is always telling me, I got to look at the glass half full instead of the glass half empty. We have discipleship at a church level in the men because they need so much help because we're supposed to be the leaders in our own household because there's a whole bunch of issues there too. But you're right. If we are discipling the people that we lead to Christ and investing in them so that they can invest in somebody and invest in somebody, that's change that you've, you've got. Well, and let me just put this out. Winning someone to Christ, sharing the gospel is easier than discipleship. <laughs> I mean, because basically there are people that go, you know, heaven better than hell. Yeah, let me get in. How do I do this? Okay, they're, they're a little more. But when you start saying, okay, now you're a follower of Christ. Now you're going to let the Holy Spirit control you. Now you're going to be someone that's going to be intentional, deliberate. You're going to live different. Well, you got to get to know these people. you got to deal with their problems, their issues, their thoughts, their hang-ups. And sometimes that gets tiring, you know, because people can wear you down. And that's why Christian people need to realize it's important to get involved in the lives of those they reach. Yeah, you can't ever waste any time investing in somebody's life. That is always time well spent. All right. And here's the freedom you've been given to share how Christ has made an impact on your life in the workplace. And we, in the last quarter hour, David, you were talking about in those smaller businesses, really the owner really sets the tone. They, he's got freedom to do whatever he or she wants in the workplace as far as establishing uh, religious practices. Absolutely. Regardless of what religion it may be. So hopefully they let you know that when you're taking the job, especially if it's something that you're not comfortable with. I know that some guys that I mentor, we make sure in a small business, we make sure people know, hey, this is a business that's run according to a biblical worldview based on the principles in the Bible and Jesus Christ is our Lord. You have to be comfortable with that before you come in here. You don't have to be a Christ follower. You just need to know that's how it's being run. Absolutely. That's the culture. That's just like uh, the old employees that used to go work for IBM had to wear blue suits. It's just understood this is what's required and this is how we're going to do it. And this is how we operate. Other companies had a different culture. And these small businessmen have absolute rights to determine the culture of their company. And it can be a Christ-centered, a biblical culture. 
Hmm. All right, so that was the small businesses. And was that the 15 and under? Yep. Okay, so now let's go 15 and over. All right, the 15 and over. Private private business is 15 and over. Private businesses. you got Title Seven rights, which means fairness. Uh, the religious people need to be treated fairly. So if they allow rooms for different groups or organizations, they have to allow rooms for prayer. If they allow materials to be handed out, they have to allow religious materials to be handed out. So the concept in the larger employment arenas is fairness to the people of faith, and they, they can be treated like all other employees. And then also, they can't be discriminated against because of their faith. So for example, um, if a um, someone says, you know what, I'm working for a large company, and I can't work on Sunday because of my faith. Well, you notify your employer that you have this religious belief, this objection, and then they have a duty to accommodate you unless it creates a huge hardship for the company. And so you do have religious rights as an employee that you can assert. And then again, big companies can still take positions, uh, as we know with the Supreme Court, they can get involved in politics. There's no limit in what they can do politically, but there's also no legal limit what they can do religiously. Companies can have statements, beliefs. We see in the Hobby Lobby decision where their um, religious rights are being upheld by the court. And so big corporations can still have a faith just so they don't discriminate against an individual employee based on religion. But isn't it different having a right according to the law and having the difference between having a right according to the law and having that right upheld by the courts. Oh, yeah, there's two. Yes, you're absolutely right, Jim. And sometimes that didn't when you and I were kids. Those were one and the same. Absolutely. Somebody would say, what is the law? And everybody would go, oh, well, the law is, and you could give an answer. The reality is, what is the law? Well, the law could be what a judge says on a given day. It might depend on the judge, and it might depend on how much money you have to run the process. Because uh, we do know in our society, um, wealthy people get different justice than poor people. And so we're in a world where the law oftentimes is what any given judge will look at on any given day. And so that does allow a lot of fluidity and a lot of confusion in the minds of regular folks. That's fantastic. Okay, so, and and I just, that's one of my pet peeves, is that, you know, the judges are writing law from the from the bench they're they're making law from the bench and that's not the way it was supposed to be we're supposed to have a three branch government but well i'll, I'll go a little further well, i don't we can't because we i really want to give those specific people we didn't talk about religious organizations we didn't talk about government what are their what are some practical things they can do and i don't want to run out of time without doing that all right well let me hit religious organizations and we can be quick about it um the religious organizations have an absolute right to live their faith. Okay, so religious organizations can hire and fire according to their faith. They can be completely unique, and they need to realize, you know, the separation of church and state that might apply to a government situation has no impact on a religious employer, a church, a nonprofit organization operated under religious principles, a religious school. A matter of fact, the Supreme Court has recognized that the religious organizations, faith-based organizations, can operate very consistently with their principles, even if it violates what might be a law uh, that exists. So um, whereas like a church, for example, may hold to a position that a man should be the senior pastor, uh, that would be illegal for a secular company, but that's completely legal for a church if it's faith-based. And I think that's very important to remember. Make sure that it's faith-based. Why are you doing this as an organization? Uh, not just because we want to, but because it's part of our faith. This is what we actually believe. But you have complete freedom. And then in the government realm, um, remember that the Constitution applies free speech, freedom of religion. You actually have a lot of rights when you're a government employee. Now, what you cannot do is you cannot uh, use the government 
to fund or promote your religion. So you have to do your job. You have to perform it well. But remember, you can share with, uh, you can answer questions if you're a teacher. And we'll talk about that in a future broadcast. You can uh, share with your coworkers. You are to be treated fairly. You have all of those constitutional rights. And so for a supervisor in a government workplace to say, hey, keep your God, keep your religion out of here. That's actually a violation of the Constitution. That's a violation of your civil rights. And so uh, there's actually training, there's memos, there's other things that the government puts out. Uh, But to show hostility towards people of faith in a government workplace is a violation of the law and could actually subject them to money damages. (laughs) Do you see that being upheld? In the courts? Yeah, in the courts. Absolutely. It's fact-based. I mean, the one thing about employment cases, okay, there's always a ton of facts. I get phone calls, some guy, hey, I got fired for witnessing for Jesus. Well, that doesn't sound too good. Send me the paperwork. Well, yeah, the papers are going to say I was late 32 times, but on the way out the door, (laughs) I said, you all need Jesus. And, you know, you say, wait a minute, you were a lousy employee. You were late 32 times. They had every right to toss you out. And, you know, just because you said, you know, think about Jesus on your way out the door doesn't give you a case. So, you know, every case rises and falls on its own facts. And the reality is, you know, you want to make sure that you're creating a paper trail if you feel that your rights are in jeopardy and that you're working through this. And then you want to work with your employer. Sometimes um, an employer may go, boy, I didn't know we could do this, or I didn't know we had to do this. And uh, if you can give them good information, that's one of the things we do, Jim, at the NCLL is we will answer questions. People email us. I do a Law Talk Live radio program on the weekends where I take questions, and people go, wow, I didn't know I had those rights. And when they have that information, They're able to go back to uh, company attorneys or company HR departments, sometimes just the boss or the coworker. And with that information, they're empowered to protect their rights in the workplace. So on your website, nclll.org, National Center for Life and Liberty, NCLL, or as you said, ncll.org, they can get that information. Is there any information out there that people can study and learn about what their rights are? Do they got to talk to you? Well, we do all of the above. Um, we try to provide some information online, and we do a lot of that. But also, uh, folks like to email, text in questions, because then it can be specific. Sometimes people get confused. They might be reading a government memo. They go, oh, wow, this is really good, but they're over here working for a private auto repair place, and they don't understand it doesn't apply. So we do try to tailor it. But the cool thing, Jim, is we do that as a ministry. We're faith-based. We're nonprofit. So if somebody has a genuine religious or a freedom question, even a constitutional violation, you know, maybe your boss is saying, hey, give me your cell phone. I want to check out all your messages. Well, he may not have the right to do that. Right. And so we try to make sure that the rights of the people are protected, and we do that as a nonprofit organization. And so we're supported. And again, if people have questions or information ncll.org all right and now you're going to come back tomorrow we're going to talk about religious liberty in the schools you're going to still come back right i am going to come and let me say this there is some religious liberty in the schools and a lot of people don't know it and i hope every one of your listeners and some of their friends and family listen in tomorrow because that is going to be a program they don't want to miss that's right don't miss tomorrow look at that i rarely get a good intro like that all right on tomorrow's show you heard it attorney david gibbs coming back again with the national center for life and liberty talking about religious liberty in the schools you're listening to the i work for him show with your host Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.